All right. All right. All right. Oh, that was a fun, I botched it, but I do love Days and Confused. <laughs> um, hello, everybody. Welcome back. Undelivered. I don't even know what episode we're on anymore. Because we're actually- Well, this is three. Episode three, part, part two. two. Yeah. Yes. Um, Ashley and I are recording all of this in the same sitting and we will release it at the same time for your listening pleasure. We just got done going over uh, birth control, our options, what it does to our body long-term, what it does to our libido and what it does to our mental health. And we picked up, we're picking up where Ashley left off. Um, and Ashley is taking antidepressants because not only do I trust her research because well, she knows how to look for these things. We from know her, I'm a nerd from her nerdy nursing experience, and also you have personally taken an antidepressant, and I never have. So, um, kick us off, girlfriend. What'd you find? Okay, so just to start off, um, let me just say, I love antidepressants. They have saved me when I needed them, for sure. Um. I personally think, and then I also found this in my research, I think that they are being overprescribed. Mm-hmm. Like there is a difference in having depressive symptoms, depressive air quote episodes and truly being diagnosed as clinically depressed. So let me just say that from the get go, there's a very big difference in that. Um, I think that, I think that doctors these days are too readily just handing out these prescriptions, um, without doing, doing more questioning, without ruling more things out. Um, so I have, I have a love hate with them. I've loved them. I've been on two different kinds. Um, I've been on Effexor, which is a SNRI. Mm -hmm. Um, it worked great for me. I'll say great ish. I was also at the time mixing mine with a lot of Red Bull and vodka. Oh, okay. So (laughs) it would, you know, I, that was a a crazy time period of my life. Just to say coming off of it was pure and utter hell. Mm -hmm. I mean, pure hell. Um, like I could not get out of bed. It was, it's the craziest thing. Um, but thank God I'd already been weaning myself off of it. When I found out I was pregnant with Ridge, it would have been 10 times worse, but that is definitely one that you cannot take while pregnant. Hmm. So I came off of, off of that when I was pregnant with Ridge and I didn't get back on it. I'm laughing. This part just makes me laugh every time I got back on Zoloft a year ago I got COVID horribly bad. I mean, like mine was the kind that turned into pneumonia. Afterwards, I was very, very, very sick. And because I'm a nurse and because I'm an ICU nurse, and I know a lot of nurses who were working during COVID, my anxiety about it was at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. I started having panic attacks when I had COVID that I was going to die of Mm -hmm. a blood clot, not respiratory stuff, but of a blood clot. Right. Like my poor husband, (laughs) I I was literally just crying all day, hugging him, hugging Ridge. I truly, I truly felt like I was going to die. Got on Zoloft, 
short term, yes, it saved me. I, those feelings went away. I knew then that they were illogical thoughts, but that is the very thing about anxiety is most of it is illogical. You just right. can't stop it. Depression is, you know, a whole other thing. And that can, anxiety and depression both can come not just from a chemical imbalance, you know, your past trauma, or, you know, there's all kinds of things that these, that anxiety and pre- depression can stem from. So I just want to, want to just say that I got back on Zoloft. Yeah, it's been okay. Um, I'm in the process of weaning myself back off of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to get a phone call from my mother about this. <laughs> <laughs> when are we um, going to tell our moms just to listen to certain episodes? Uh, Not every episode. I just, <clears throat> okay. Well, and I'm even more like fired up about weaning myself off of it now after I've done some research, but before I get into my research, let me just say, I do not want to shame anybody at all mm-hmm. for taking these medicines. I more than anybody understand how much they can truly, truly, truly be needed. Um, especially by people who are clinically depressed. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever really fallen into the category of truly being clinically depressed. Um, definitely have anxiety. (laughs) Definitely. Um, and I think I've had depressive moments. I don't, I don't think I wish that somebody had taken the time to coach me a little bit more on these, to give me other things to try first Mm -hmm. before I committed (laughs) to these, um, or to just like take a deeper look at what's going on in my body and to see maybe why I'm feeling the way that I was feeling when I wanted to get on. Also being said, do not ever abruptly just stop taking a medicine. No. Like no matter, hopefully if you hear all this, you'll, you'll do your own research, come to your own conclusion, talk to your doctor about it, but absolutely under no circumstance do I ever support just cold Turkey coming off of these things, especially if you need them, I don't want to, I don't want to encourage anybody to do that. And then you end up in like a horrible situation. So anyways, hold on, let me clear my phone. <laughs> and I will play our medical disclaimer before okay. this episode. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try to like, not make this very boring, but it was very hard for me to not just absolutely dive into the science behind all of this um, because there's a lot. And anytime you're talking about anything with the brain, I think you're, the brain is the most complex organ we have. We will never, ever, ever, ever know everything that there is to know about our brain mm. and it controls everything. Um, so we will just start with hormones and depression having a cyclical relationship because they do. <gasps> yes, they do. What? Mm-hmm. Okay, keep going. I'm, you got <laughs> me. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. Okay. So, and some of this, I'm like just reading straight off my notes. So bear with me, but okay. So I found that 
Research has shown that female reproductive hormones, estrogen, progesterone, impacts different parts of the brain connected to mood regulation and behavior. We, I mean, we know women, we know that, but an imbalance, if you have an imbalance ratio of the two, you can become estrogen dominant. Me. That's you? That's me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that can directly affect depression. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Along with fertility issues. Um, so you've, you know, you have all kinds of hormones throughout your body. You have a lot of different systems that are producing these hormones. They are all the brain, the endocrine system, and I'm going to add the immune system to that. They are all working to, together to control all of this. Okay. So your adrenals, your, I'm trying, okay. Blech. I'm trying to like, not be so confusing to non-medical people out there. Hey, we get it. Okay. Hormones that are produced by your thyroid and adrenal glands especially cortisol, your stress hormone. Yes. Can have a significant impact on mood, which I think we all know that, um, as can what's called D E D H E A. That's the feel good hormone. So oftentimes if you're like struggling with one or the other, that can go back to your, your adrenal glands being like the driver of the imbalance. So I feel like a lot of people, when they think of depression, they automatically think the chemicals in my brain are imbalanced, but that's Mm -hmm. not always the case. So just keep that in mind. Okay. Um, hormonal imbalances impact mood and depression can impact hormone levels. Oh, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hormonal imbalances impact mm-hmm. mood and depression can impact hormone levels. So we just made a full circle. Yes. They okay. are both affecting. I bet this is going to pertain to you too. There's um, a real disorder called reproductive depression. It is depression in women that it's related to hormonal changes hormonal changes of the menstrual cycle, Hmm. pregnancy and menopause. Okay. Well, if you're not pregnant or going through menopause, when is something in your menstrual cycle, not changing? It's constantly changing depending on what phase you're in, in your menstrual cycle. Right. So you can have reproductive depression, which is kind of like that one is a little bit harder to pinpoint because it is something that is constantly changing, but I feel like that could be something that so many of us are dealing with. We're slapping an antidepressant bandaid on it when the first choice of treatment for this is actually transdermal estrogen. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. Keep going. Okay. I'm taking personal notes here. I know. So it's like a lot to unpack here. I'll stop jumping around so much in just a second. Um, 
I found that recently there's been a really big emphasis on the body's inflammatory response as a cause of depression. So we're talking chronic inflammation is impairing the regulation of our immune systems right, and leading to depression. And when I'm talking chronic inflammation, everyone in the United States, whether they <laughs> want to acknowledge it or not, right, are chronically inflamed from the foods we're eating, the beauty products, like we're all inflamed. And this is all having a huge impact on our immune system and therefore it's affecting our brains. Okay. (laughs) This, I've discovered a new term, which like really excites me. There's a field in medicine called psychoneuroimmunology. Okay. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. Say it again. Psychoneuroimmunology. Okay. Okay. So this is a field of study that they study everything, all of the mutual reactions between the nervous system, the endocrine system, and the immune system. That's like everything that you and I are all about. Right. All rolled into like one field. Okay. So there's just a little bit about your hormones are absolutely affecting your depression. Okay. It is not just a chemical imbalance in your brain. It can be, but it's not just that. Um, so that brings us to antidepressants. Okay. Antidepressants are not just meant to treat depression. They treat like a whole host of psychological problems like bipolar, OCD, they can treat anything. Um, This is how they work. So I found a really cool analogy and I'm like, oh, okay. So we're going to think of our brain as a mailbox. Okay. With different locks on it. The mailbox is supposed to receive whatever information, including emotion, depending on what key is being used. So we have certain keys to unlock certain things within our brains. Right. In these disorders, there's either no key for the lock. The key isn't being used correctly. You know, you're fumbling around with the lock, can't get it in. Okay. (laughs) Or the lock is just broken entirely. The mail is not getting delivered. Okay. So you're having, that's why people say your chemicals are off in your brain. Right. Obviously, antidepressants help regulate this problem, but again, it's just kind of slapping a Band-Aid maybe on what's really going on behind closed doors. Behind the mailbox door. Yes. Interesting. Um, The use of antidepressants has increased almost 65% in the last 15 years. That's it? That's all? Well... I don't think this is taken into account the last three. <clears throat> I did not, I did not even get in to COVID stuff because yeah. honestly, a lot of the stuff on um, 
you know, like CDC, NCBI, all of that stuff, all of their studies that they come are coming out with. First of all, there there's always like a lag. You know, it takes years and years for them to get this research together and then to publish it. Right. Um, so COVID kind of messed all of that up. I, they don't have it all together yet. Got it. Um, so it's increased 65% in the last 15 years. But that number, I also found another number saying that it's increased like by 400% since the year 1988. That sounds about right. Yeah. And okay. I'm, I would honestly be shocked if it wasn't more at right. this point post-COVID. So, you know, there's different different classes and I'm not really, I'm not going to get into, you know, like how do SSRIs work, all of that yeah. stuff, but SSRIs and then atypical antidepressants. Those are like your Wellbutrin, your Trazodone, your Trintelix. That's probably going to be a majority of what I'm going to be referring to from here on out. Like I'm not mm-hmm. really touching on MAOIs or TCAs. Those I don't are, I even know what those are. Well, and because they're not common, like not a lot of people are on them. Most everybody I know is on an SSRI. That's mm-hmm. your Zoloft, Flexapro, Prozac, Paxil, Celexa. Um, and then your SNRIs, like I said, the, the effects are, I've been on that previously, Cymbalta, Pristate, and then the atypicals. I think those are the top three categories that most people take. Um, all right, so we're going to talk. I'm going to get into all the side effects of these, mm-hmm. but let me just say, and you're going to, what? In so much of this that I was looking at, wouldn't, you know, I kept finding time and time after again, more research needs to be done. More research needs to be mm. done. Why are we not doing it? <laughs> Why are we not doing it? And why are we prescribing so readily, like all these medications that could cause more harm than good? Now, listen, 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 listen. I have a lot of family members who are medicated. Okay. It's done people a lot of good. I know that it has. I've watched it. I've seen it. I have friends who take small dosage of Prozac, Zoloft. I've questioned putting it, you know, in my own body for my own mental health if you stand firm on your own two feet and you know that whatever medication you are taking to help you get through the day is saving your ass, then save it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You are more valuable. You deserve happiness. And whatever means that comes through, you, you deserve that. And, and I think we have to trust people that they know themselves well enough to say, yes, I need to take this or no, I don't. I just felt like I needed to jump in and say that. Like, we're not telling you to not take it. We're not saying that it's, it's bad because there's a stigma enough already, especially yeah. for women, totally. especially for women. There's enough stigmas that haunt our asses over everything. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> okay. So all of these government websites, they're acknowledging, they're acknowledging a, that most antidepressants can influence testosterone and estrogen levels okay which leads back to infertility right um it so but most studies that are out there 
are conducted on male animals or male humans, but depression affects more women and more women are on antidepressants. So why are we doing all this research on like mostly men? You know, that reminds me of something. Women were not invited to be part of case studies until 1993. Well, that's why that's, I mean, that's why we're so lacking in research and knowledge. Yeah. All right. So, okay. There, let me just put that out there. They know that the government is acknowledging hey, we know more women are affected by depression. We know more women are on antidepressants, but Mm -hmm. all of these studies are mostly on males. Also, they have acknowledged that there need to be more studies done on um, antidepressants given during developmental years and the long-term impacts that could have on specifically fertility. Wow. That's a big one. Okay. So, um, it's just something to think about. If you've got a teenage daughter, they don't really know what the long-term right. effects are. Um, all right. So we're going to jump into the side effects. Everybody knows that the side effects of antidepressants, you've got weight gain, you've got sexual dysfunction. And I'm not just talking about a decrease in libido. I'm talking like you're a man you can have problems with erection ejaculation if you're a female you can have issues with like dryness um you know so I'm putting all of this under one category of Uh sexual dysfunction okay um and that's going to be a majority of our talk because if like if we're having all of these sexual problems from these antidepressants like um hello hormones yeah okay you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um then people feeling emotionally numb or unlike themselves um feeling as if they're addicted and then people still having depressive symptoms and then also becoming suicidal yeah so other than the suicidal part y'all over 40 percent of anti- depressant users are reporting these side effects like that's that's a huge chunk of people taking these pills having all of these problems it's like 40 percent and above like there's nothing (laughs) it just it blows my mind wow okay so we'll start with weight gain did you gain weight when you were taking your antidepressants effects are no but like I said, I was also drinking a lot. Then that's when I was working night shift. Uh-huh. I was also hardcore boxing at the time. Hmm. Um, oh my gosh, I loved boxing, but I think my whole circadian rhythm, my hormones, my lifestyle, I was done. I was jacked up y'all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Um, so who's, I don't know if excerpt no Zoloft I feel like yes but also I don't know maybe six months after I got on Zoloft is when I got pregnant and then had my miscarriage Mm -hmm. and so 
I definitely feel fluffier than I normally am, but I feel like it's like a combination of things too. Like my hormones, miscarriage, pregnancy, I'm not working out like I should, you know what I mean? Um, okay. So the argument with weight gain and antidepressants is it's kind of like, well, which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Are, are we overweight because of our depressive symptoms and our lifestyle? Like we're tired. We can't get off the couch. All we want to do is sleep and eat crappy food or is it the medicine? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's an argument that I found. Um, however, I thought it was interesting that women on antidepressants are far more, um, suffering from obesity than men. So that leads me to believe that it, it is like a hormonal, it's doing something to our hormones and that may be where the weight gain is coming from. Okay. Um, 55% of adults on antidepressants are moderately or no, 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 no. 55%, <laughs> sorry. Um, 55% of people on antidepressants are overweight. Oh, wow. Okay. You would kind of think it'd be the opposite because I feel like antidepressants do something to your appetite as well. They can or they can't. Okay. So the 55%, that's for if you have moderate or severe depressive symptoms, it's 38% are obese if you have mild depression. So, but 38%, that's still, that's a lot of people. Um, An Australian study that I found showed a 3% increase in body weight every year being on an antidepressive drug. Three percent of your body weight, like that, doesn't sound like that much. But if you're chronically on this medicine, yeah, and you're gaining three percent of your body weight every single year, it's going to add up. Yeah, it does add up. Um, there's also been a lot of studies linking antidepressants to like higher glucose levels, which you know your glucose is con- controlled by your endocrine system. Well, your endocrine system is what controls your hormones. Right. So there has to, has to, has to be some sort of link there, whether they have (sighs) found it yet or not. Yeah. I don't think they'll ever, even if they do find it, I don't think anybody's going to come out and say, because it's too much of a moneymaker for us here. That's why, Um, again, I'm just, I'm so surprised that that percentage is not more of, of people you know, being prescribed antidepressants. Oh, but it I want to be like, there, there are so many freaking different numbers out there. Yeah. Like there's so many different numbers. And like I said, COVID, those numbers have off the charts. Yeah. Yes. Increased. For sure. So, okay. Let me jump in really fast. At the end of the last episode, we were talking about you getting off of birth control. You felt great. You were, you were Mm -hmm. healthy and you just felt so good for like six months to a year. I thought 
before we started recording, you said it overlapped, like you were on birth control and then you got on antidepressant. I thought that your prescriptions overlapped, like you were no. taking an antidepressant and a birth control at the same time. So mm -hmm. can you unpack that really fast? Like if you were doing so well and then what you happened? were prescribed, <laughs> yeah, kind of, because I think it's, I mean, it's, it's relatable. Um, I think, I think at that time, which this is literally almost 10 years ago, I had a lot of um, personal struggles going on at that time. Me and my mom were in a really not good place. Um, my relationship was kind of starting to unravel. Um, and I, I didn't know how to deal. I did not know how to cope. And now I'm honestly just wondering, like, was it the birth control? Was it because I've never in all of my developmental years, I was on mm -hmm. a synthetic hormone affecting my brain, affecting my hormones. Um, like I, I didn't know how to process. I did not know how to deal. Yeah. So I finally just gave in and was like, okay, I'm just going to try it. I didn't even tell anybody I was taking it because I wanted to see if anybody noticed a difference. <laughs> And I will never forget my best friend slash coworker at the time. Like we, uh, Carly love her so much. She <laughs> ended up taking me to dinner she sat me down. She said, what is going on with you in a bad way? Yes. <gasps> well, because you know, when you start antidepressants, it can take a good, like six to eight, eight weeks for you to stabilize well, this was during those like six to eight weeks. Okay. It's a very weird feeling when you first start them. Like oh. you're kind of, a lot of the times it makes you nauseous. A lot of the times you'll break out in like cold sweats. Um, your appetite can change. I felt very like brain foggy uh -huh. and like a zombie when I got on my effector. Uh, so she, she actually took me to dinner. I was like, what is going on? Like something is happening with you. I feel like that's such a good friend though. Oh, like, we need more friends to take us to dinner. Like, are you okay? <laughs> everybody in your life in life needs a Carly. She is Aww. the bluntest friend to have. Like we'll straight up tell you, <laughs> like, I'll never forget. I chopped my hair off. And she was like, God, you really needed to do that. You have, you have too much weight in your boobs to have long hair too. Like <laughs> everyone needs a Carly. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I think I, I think I just had a lot of personal issues going on then, but I, I also feel like in my brain, I didn't know how to handle them. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I'm about to have to unpack a lot of things and like look at birth control more in depth, just personally for myself. Right. Because I, I feel like like the the veil has been lifted. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. Well, thank you for explaining and, and unpacking mm. that. What else? Let's pick it back up with okay. more more okay, statistics. So, well, this is going to be like the meat of this is where like I kind of get excited <laughs> okay so the sexual dysfunction part the mm -hmm. sexual dysfunction side effect 
73% of people on SSRIs report sexual problems. That is a lot. Everybody. That's almost everybody. It is. And I feel like SSRIs are the most um, used medications as far as um, antidepressants. Um, So, yeah, we're talking hormones. If we're having sexual dysfunction, we have to know our hormones are being are being altered in some way. Cause again, this is synthetically changing parts of our brain. Okay. Okay. All right. So one argument again with this whole sexual dysfunction thing is which came first, the chicken or the egg. Right. Depressed people can also like people who are depressed and not on antidepressants can also have some sexual dysfunction problems. But like, if we have studies out there saying 73% of people on this medication reporting problems, mm, I'm thinking the med is more of the issue instead of the depression itself. Can I ask a question really fast Mm -hmm. in all of your research and deep diving? Did you find a correlation, particularly for women where ADHD is misdiagnosed as an anxiety disorder? Mm Mm-mm. Okay. Cause I that was a huge thing that a lot of feedback that I got was, um, so many women were like, I was just finally diagnosed with ADHD. I don't need an antidepressant. I need Adderall. <laughs> and it like changed. Yeah, but that everything. also makes me wonder, I haven't taken a deep dive into like ADHD, mm-hmm. but that's something else like regulated by your brain and our hormones. Like I just have to have to wonder, like, I don't think Adderall is always the answer. You know right. what I mean? Right. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. I'm sorry. Um, okay. So we all know for women, sex is an emotional, more of an emotional thing than physical. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the normal sex cycle, there's desire, arousal, orgasm, resolution all of these things are facilitated by neurotransmitters those mailbox keys that I was talking about Uh okay it's facilitated by the neurotransmitters hormones and peptides different classes of antidepressants impact all phases of sexual response cycles to a varying degree Say the, say the sex cycles again. Desire. Arousal. Okay. Orgasm. Okay. Resolution. Define resolution. I would think that's after orgasm, like your body's coming down. Okay. Okay. I I, I didn't really look much into that, but I'm sure there's a (laughs) bunch of, I think that there's, I'm sure a lot of hormonal, that's probably when like your Okay, okay, so sorry, we got cut off. Continue. We were going over the <laughs> the stage, stages of sex. Stages of sex, which is just okay. Okay, so our mailbox keys are controlling all of these. Which, if your mailbox key is not working and you're suffering from depression, you get put on an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. It clearly is still not. It's doing more harm than good. I think it's fair to say. Is it to like all around or just to sex hormones? 
sex hormones. Okay. For sure. Okay. Um, Goodness yeah. gracious. So they're also saying long-term exposure may have impacted a genetic level that uh-huh. affects the functioning of the endocrine systems. That leading I, back to infertility? Yes. Um, like, and this is for men too. Men on antidepressants long-term have been noted to have um, a change in their semen quality. Wow. Not only like the number, but the, qu- the actual quality of right. their sperm. Okay. There's been a huge change in that. Um, NCBI has actually, there's a correlation between decreased conception and women on antidepressants. Wow. They don't unpack it at all. They say future studies are needed. You don't say. Right. Like, but what's are we so shocked? interesting, I'm <laughs> No, we're not shocked, but also like it's so cyclical, like it's all connected because I've known so, and again, I don't know the studies on this. I just know what people tell me now conceiving and having a child after infertility issues or miscarriage or going through IVF, you get put on antidepressants just to make it through the shit show of IVF. Right. Like, but it's affecting our fertility. Yes. Okay. All right. Just making sure I'm. That's understanding everything I know that and that it's so hard to not be scientific about it all because like it is so sciencey everything I found but it is all coming back to my key point our antidepressants are affecting our hormones no doubt hormones affect our fertility yeah I mean and if 73% of people are reporting these sexual dysfunction problems um I think it could be a huge reason why we're struggling with some infertility. Goodness. Because there's more women on antidepressants than men. Women are more likely to be depressed. Well, I think women are more likely to be depressed because I think it's all related to our menstrual cycle. And the hormones. That's constantly changing. Oh, that is so... Like, I know. Okay, so I had a friend who um, was going through so, sort of an experience like what we're talking about. She got off birth control. She got off antidepressants. And she was like, I just don't know how to do this because she'd been on birth control and an antidepressant since she was a teenager, since she was 13 mm-hmm. years old. And so now at 35 years old, she's like, I don't, I, I'm grossed out by my own period blood. Well, sister, it, it's a... It, it's telling you about your health and it's your body. Don't be grossed out about it. Just deal with it. And she's like, I don't know how to regulate a conversation with a man. I don't know how to feel an emotion without lashing out or going on a bender. Like, and I know that's an extreme case. Yeah. But maybe it's not, maybe it's not, maybe so many more people are dealing with coming off of these medications that we've been on since we were teenagers and we don't know how to survive in the original state that our bodies were created to survive in. Right. Like I, I, after reading everything that I have about antidepressants and then also kind of tying that into a lot of the other research I've been doing for like the food and beauty portion of this season that we're doing. It's 
there's so much more going on within our bodies that we're paying attention to. Um, so briefly, I'm going to hit on suicide a little bit more and then I'm not going to leave y'all empty handed. I've actually done a little bit of research on like some natural things you can try. Okay. Before you take antidepressants or for you to think about like if you want to come off of your antidepressants, but like, I think there's a lot of the reason this could explain a lot of why we are having depressive issues. Okay. So suicide real quick. I'm going to touch on 30% of people on antidepressants are still suffering from depression. So like what, and they're, they're still taking them. They're either not taking the right medicine. They're really not depressed. You know, I said so many people are given antidepressants and they're not clinically depressed. Um, okay. So suicide is the number one cause of death in the U S wait, wait, say that again. Suicide is the number one cause of death in the U S if you're on an antidepressant or just in general, I think just in general, (gasps) hold on. I have, I'm pretty sure I got that straight from the CDC website. Hold on. Let me, cause yeah. Okay. This is straight from CDC. Suicide is, or is a leading cause of death in the U S excuse me. Okay. Okay. Man, who knew a word? Okay. So suicide is a leading factor. Okay. Not the number one leading factor. Okay. (laughs) But I mean, if you change the a to the, oof. It changes an entire sentence. Yeah, it does. Okay. Continue. Um, Okay, so what's interesting here about this and why I'm bringing it up is every single year, the number of suicides are increasing. Okay. As well as the use of antidepressants. Okay. So that's something to think about because, again, I really don't think that depression is what a majority of us are dealing with. Like, I think, I think we're having depressive symptoms, but I think there's some bigger issues why we're feeling this way. For sure. So that brings me to a more fun part, some, some natural things for you to try. Okay. Now, some of this is going to be real hippy dippy, but you know, I really, really do think that there's something to it. Okay, so 80% of us do not get enough daily magnesium. Okay. Mag- low magnesium level has been related to depression. Okay. On the flip side, how many people do you know that is on a vitamin D supplement right now? None. You don't know anybody taking vitamin D? I don't think so. Not oh God, I feel like I know it, like everybody I know is taking vitamin D. I, I feel like I only take vitamin D when I'm sick. That's fair. I, and I only, 
not to talk about the the COVID, but I feel uh-huh. like since COVID, so many people have started taking in vitamin D. Yeah. Like well, I mean, it's part of the immune system. Yeah. Well, that's what doctors were telling mm-hmm. us. They'd give yes. medicine and say, go home and take zinc, D and C. And that's um, what they would say. But so when you are supplementing vitamin D, I'm not talking about direct vitamin D from the sun. That is mm-hmm. hands down the best way to get pure vitamin D. Right. We're taking vitamin D as a pill. You are driving your magnesium even further down the tube. So then you'd have to replenish your magnesium. Yes. And how do we do that, Ashley? Well, you can do that through foods. Um, there's a lot of like magnesium rich foods out there. Magnesium supplements. I think that's like the easiest way to make sure that you're getting your magnesium in. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's, that's something that is going so, so, so unrecognized. And that is something that is so easy to correct. Sure. Um, even if you, if you go outside for 20 minutes, get you some natural vitamin D right? and make sure you're getting enough magnesium, your energy will increase, your mood will improve. Yeah. You will fit. It is a natural serotonin booster. Okay. So, and while you're at it, if you would like to exercise while you are out there getting your vitamin <laughs> D that, um, they always recommend exercise for people with like depression or, right. But it's true. I mean, like think back to legally blonde <laughs> exercise releases endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. <laughs> happy people don't kill their husbands. Do you know what is so interesting? <clears throat> okay. So when I was doing it was the happy people who don't kill their husbands kind of thing. I was talking to, uh, the women again, God bless you all for participating in my polls. You do not have to do that, but you give us more information and we appreciate it. Um, I asked if there was a stigma around women taking antidepressants and one woman said, yes. Like if you're on antidepressants and people find out about it, they think you're going to end up on that episode of snapped and you're going to be so, well, yes, I think a lot of people, though, they're at that point when they decide to get on antidepressants. Like, if I don't get on this medicine, I am going to snap. Right. You know what I mean? But, and again, because there's not enough options given to us, mm-hmm. we wait too long until we're absolutely at our breaking point. We wait too long before seeking you know, other alternatives or getting on medication. It's like... It, it, have you heard that exp, uh, analogy, like boiling the frog? No. Like you, you don't realize you're in hot water until it's too hot. And then the frog's dead. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't realize that you're, things are getting heated. Things are getting a bit tough. The water's boiling now. I'm really stressed out. I'm really overwhelmed. Life is not great. Things are not grand. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. And then you lose it. And then. Makes sense. Yeah. So, and I, and I will say this about how to like naturally <clears throat> increase your serotonin. It sounds so simple, but I think so many people just throw it by the wayside. 
Like, like it's th- that's too easy of a fix. Yes. Yeah. They won't Can't be it because that's too simple. Right. Yeah. Like they would rather take a pill that really we we know a little bit about what it's doing to our bodies and our hormones. And I don't think it's good, <clears throat> but we won't put any effort into actually trying these alternatives. And they're so easy. Mm-hmm. And could make the biggest difference because this could correct the root of the problem and so many other problems that you're having. Like it could, you know, it's all related and it doesn't have to just be depression. Like if you're not getting enough vitamin D, your bones are going to be brittle. Yeah. Uh, You know, so vitamin D, magnesium, exercise. And I know everybody hates that one. (laughs) What exercise? Yes. Like. Everybody or if you just rage dance. <laughs> yeah, like freaking go for a walk outside. 20 minutes. It's not hard. Yeah. That is not that hard. What else did you find? <clears throat> Here's the part that's really going to whole nutrition. Yeah. As in no, no processed, processed foods. We're because do you know get why? Two of that. Why? You know? Well, okay, so this is how to naturally increase your serotonin levels. Okay. Processed foods, are you ready for it? I'm ready. (laughs) Is throwing off our gut microbiomes. Interesting. Mm. So is birth control. That's why I thought you'd get excited. And again, there is a direct connection between your gut and your mental health, mental clarity and mental health. So if you have a healthy gut, you probably are depressed and you are an unhealthy gut, depressed, mental fogginess, can't think straight, can't make a decision. And I know that some people think that women are just indecisive by nature, but they're like, it's, there's I know a it's all tying together right here. Yeah. Yep. So, and the processed foods also from everything else I've been reading about just in my lifestyle change that's happening over here and mm-hmm. for this podcast, the, all the processed foods are causing chronic inflammation, not just in our gut, but in our entire body. And as I said before, in my super boring scientific Ted talk, Chronic inflammation yeah. is it, in our immune system and depression. It's all relative to each other. So focusing on whole nutrition can increase your serotonin um, quality sleep. I think that's yeah. another one of those mm-hmm. things. People are just like, oh my God, they, everybody says that. But y'all, it's true. And I think, I think that a lot of the reason a lot of us are not getting quality sleep these days um, is because we've got our phones in our hands, A, 24-7, B, right before we go to bed. I'm so guilty of that. Everybody is. Everybody so I know guilty. is guilty of it. Um, I have I recently, though, probably for the last like three weeks, I did get me some blue light glasses because I have to read to make myself sleepy, mm-hmm. like to fall asleep fast. That's another thing I would recommend <laughs> instead of like sitting there and scrolling on your phone, <clears throat> trying to make yourself sleepy, like read an actual book. Yeah. Um, I, I have a Kindle. <clears throat> Gosh, y'all, sorry. Um, but the blue light before bedtime 
is interrupting our sleep patterns. We're not falling asleep fast. We're not sleeping good. And that is affecting our serotonin levels. Hmm. Yeah. I know it sounds way too easy. I'm telling you, everybody does it. Everybody I know is guilty of that one. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things to try. And this one is probably for more of the people that really, really do struggle with like depressive, uh, like real depression. I've heard amazing things about CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Ooh, it is a, it does not treat just depression. It is great for PTSD. Um, it's great. I mean, like I have read so many good things about it. Um, so if you're like, you know what, all that other stuff you listed is too easy. I want to go a little more hardcore, find you a CBT therapist and that's one. If you're, yeah. I highly recommend if you're like very, very scared to come off your medicines to read a little bit into this. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I'm going to recommend, and this is so hippie-ish, <laughs> it's going to make people roll their eyes, but find you a good holistic doctor, hmm. somebody who will who's not going to give you grief about wanting to check your hormones. I find, I find that OBs are reluctant a lot of the times to check people's hormones because insurance doesn't cover it. You know, (laughs) that's a whole nother. It's a whole other topic. I know. I just had the meeting that I had before we jumped on here. Yes. That's what we talked about is because OBs don't want to run hormones because insurance doesn't cover it. And it takes time. Like you have to, to check, like for a woman to check your hormones, you have to go the first day of your period and you have to time it by the hour. And you go like every 36, 72 hours until a couple of days after your cycle stops. So it, it's, it's an investment into definitely. Other, yeah. But, but you know yeah. what? It could be the biggest change of your entire life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so holistic doctors, I think are much more apt to truly dig into what is causing whatever problem you're having. Yeah, They will spend more time. They will, they're not just going to offer you a quick fix pill. Another thing a lot of holistic doctors do that, that I think is really cool and could be very beneficial um, to not only people with depression, but infertility or just women in general, a lot mm-hmm. of holistic doctors will run a, um, a hair test on you to oh. see what your body, what minerals your body is deficient yes. in. Yeah. Um, so that's something I'm like really interested in having done when I pop this baby out, I really want to <laughs> get a mineral test because our, we all process things so differently. We were made from different DNA from all over the world. And we're just this big melting pot in America. Mm-hmm. Most with the same culture, I'm not saying the same culture, but like, as far as like diet mm-hmm. is concerned, um, 
and we all process it all differently, I think. So I'd be very interested to see what minerals and like elements I'm deficient in. Yeah. Um, so those are my, that's my spiel on antidepressants. I feel Thank you for that information. Sorry, it's a lot of information. It got, it got very. No. Uh, I think people will, will appreciate it, but I also feel like I need to say exploring other options comes with a certain level of privilege. Um, it, whether your doctor is listening to you, um, I, I have friends who are of a different, you know skin color than me who have struggled with getting their doctors to pay attention to them to their pain level to um, symptoms that they say that they're having I know that a holistic diet and whole foods and hormone therapy none of this is covered by insurance and whether you have insurance or not um, all of this comes with a certain amount of like I said privilege but you're worth going beyond whatever stigma and your worth, your health and your life is worth going beyond. Um, it, it's worth going around other people and what other people are saying to you. Yeah. Um, and, and that has been something that has been so eye opening to me in being a mom in the way that I've found motherhood. When you take a sick child to the doctor and they're on Medicaid and your last name is different from theirs, you're treated like the scum of the earth. They didn't know who I was. Not that that would matter. I'm nobody. But the 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 fighting for being an advocate for yourself mm. should not have to do with race, gender, ethnicity. It shouldn't have to do with a damn thing. We are all whole health. Um, so I just felt like I needed to say that. Yeah. Also... But I also come in, let me just piggyback off what you just said, being an advocate. You yeah. cannot be an advocate for yourself if you are uneducated. You have to look, look at your, look yes, at Yes, like yeah. I, I have just learned so much about antidepressants that I was so ignorant to. You know, now I didn't know, but like, did I want to know? Did I look into it at all? No, I didn't, (laughs) but that's not like you, you're not going to have a leg to stand on in any part of your health. If you don't do your own research and see what's out there, we're in an age of technology. Like we have no excuse for not knowing everything is at the tip of our fingertips. And I feel like we're being, we are making dumber choices by the day. (laughs) Like we just have no excuse for it anymore. The dumber choice is the quickest choice, isn't it? Not always, but, but we're set up to, we're such instant gratification people now, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So as always, I've, God bless Instagram polls. It's just, it's just such a beautiful thing. I wanted to read yeah, I wanted to read uh, some feedback that we got about women on antidepressants because some are. I don't love the first two. They're hilarious. Funny. They're hilarious. They're funny. Well, everybody, again, is entitled to their own opinions. It's and what works for some people isn't going to work for everybody else. So one of the feedbacks that I got was, if Zoloft and Adderall had a baby, they'd call it Wellbutrin, and it's amazing. And uh, that statement makes me want to try Wellbutrin. I have not tried <laughs> I haven't, I haven't gone there yet. 
um, the second one that was worth a giggle uh, said that um, antidepressants should be in our water supply, which I think it is a little bit. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> like, um, and then this last one was more, uh, more, more interesting. More my speed. <laughs> well, everybody's going to have a different speed, but, That's but true. this is, this is something to, to consider. We are very quick to prescribe antidepressants first. That should be a last resort. We are not talking enough to each other about whole foods, clean water, meditation, prayer, getting outside more, letting go of stress, and setting boundaries with the people who have no regard for your health or your mental safety. If all avenues have been explored, then yes, by all means, get on a mood regulator for your well-being and the well-being of others around you. But I think there is a very dangerous rhetoric that we are to be living on medication for the long haul just because we live in the societal times that we do live in y'all I swear I did not write that that is not for me (laughs) (laughs) um and and you know what there's truth to all of it but I think there's a little truth to all of it if you find that sweet spot of medication that is saving your ass then take it if you think that everybody needs to be medicated then your medicine's working really great for you. <laughs> you no know that everybody needs to be medicated. But there is something to be said. And what really struck to me on that last comment was setting boundaries with people who have no regard for your health or mental safety. Because I'd be willing to bet, as my daddy used to say, a dollar to a donut that we get on antidepressants to deal with other people who need maybe not antidepressants, but who need a swift kick in the ass and to, you know, to have everybody else get out of their way. I think that we are medicating ourselves because that's sometimes easier than sticking a hand up to a, to a unhealthy person in our life and saying, sit down. It's just, you know, it's easier. So, okay. There's a lot I can say there. What? No, I mean, I'm not, but I'm just saying. No, I I think, I think definitely. I mean, I think we're all just running to medicines because it's easy. And we, we are so privileged and so spoiled in this country that we forget a lot of the times that things worth having take hard work and you have to work to get there so yeah Yeah. and uh, I've always said that anything else around you is worth breaking so you don't break yourself that's why there are some dents in my floors from breaking some bowls because those are easier to shatter than myself so um what else anything else Mm, that's it all right Wait, what are we talking about next? What's our next episode? Food. What's in our food (sighs) and how to heal with food. Guys, I know that the undelivered has sort of taken a very strange turn these last few episodes, but we are all making a point. We're getting back down to the root cause of everything, which is we are in a generation of women who are so incredibly infertile. I do not know if we're ever going to make a turn around a corner to go back the way it was. We're only heading towards higher numbers of miscarriage, infertility rates, and women will be kicked around always. Uh, in terms of a political kickball, um, medicine, lack of studies, lack of information. Mm-hmm. And Ashley and I are here to call BS 
and we will be here to deliver everything that they left out. So guys, this is where we leave you for this one. We will pick it up next time with food with our guest. And I'm so excited to have her. Um, And we're just going to keep going. And we thank you all for being here. All right. Okay. See you next next time. Okay. I'm afraid. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Undelivered Podcast. Please share with a friend, give us a review, like us, follow us, subscribe to our episodes. And if you don't mind, to continue the conversation, follow Ashley and I on Instagram. I'm at Bales Henry and Ashley is Ash P underscore worth. See you next time.